0: So if thoughts, if that little voice in our head has such an impact on how we feel and what we do, is it even possible to change it? Should we be resigned to letting it run on autopilot so that we continue to be buffeted around by it, so that we continue to react instantly to anything it might have to say? Or is there a way to interrupt the chatter? You're probably not surprised to hear me say that there is a way to interrupt the chatter that can have a really significant impact on how you feel, which also means it will have a significant impact on whether or not you turn to food, if that's something you do when you feel bad. Welcome to the Yo-Yo Freedom Podcast. This is the place to learn actionable step-by-step tools and strategies to help you stop binging or overeating and start feeling relaxed and confident around food, so that you can show up for your life on your terms. I'm Gemma Keys, and I know firsthand what it's like to feel out of control around food and trapped in the pain of binge eating and body shame. There is a way out. Keep listening to discover your path to food freedom. Hello and welcome. Today we're going to talk about that little voice in your head, you know the one that's running a constant commentary on your life. I know we could probably call it just plain thoughts, but I like to think of it as a little voice because it always has a lot to say. And I like to strike up a two way conversation with mine sometimes. I suppose quite a lot, actually. And I guess that's why people say you're talking to yourself in a slightly surprised way to me a bit too often. But anyway, the reason that little voice is important is because. Sometimes it says things that are really supportive and help us do the things we've planned to do and that we want to do. And at other times it can say totally mean or defeating or unhelpful things that bring us down. And when that happens, if food is a place you go when things get tough, what that little voice has to say can take you right to a tub of ice cream, a packet of biscuits or whatever the food is that you wish you didn't eat or it can take you in a completely different direction that ends up feeling a whole lot better. I wonder how familiar you are with that little voice in your own head. Maybe you've never even noticed it. Maybe you think it's you, it's just who you are. Or maybe it's got so much to say that it sounds like a roaring crowd in there because of all the different voices shouting at you at the same time. In this episode, we're going to take a first look at how to tune in to what that little voice has to say and begin to notice the impact it has. In other words, where it takes you and in particular the effect it has on what you eat. And then, if you don't like where it's taking you, exactly what to do about it. There's so much more to dig into around this topic and we'll definitely go there in future episodes. But today we're going to cover some of the key points you really need to know. So I call it that little voice in my head, but researchers estimate we have something like 60,000 thoughts per day. That is wild, isn't it? Of course, so many of them run in the background and we never even notice them, a bit like the constant influx of sensory data that comes at us all day, every day. We just can't process every single thing that we see and hear and smell and taste and touch. Because that amount of information would create complete overload. So all those thoughts are like a commentary that runs through our brains all the time. Some of it with the volume turned right down and some of it so loud it takes over. And that little voice or those voices, they do have a real impact. For example, have you ever made plans to meet someone only for them not to show up and you can't get hold of them either? First, if you're anything like me, you go straight to, oh God, what if they've been in an accident and they're dead? Total worst case scenario. But then I'm guessing your thoughts might fairly swiftly move on to something like, they've forgotten about me. They obviously couldn't give us stuff that I might have other things to be doing today. They've had a better offer. I'm just bottom of the list. I would never dream of treating anyone like this. And with that voice piping up comes a spiral of frustration and irritation, which eventually gives way to a feeling of sadness or rejection and maybe a sort of unworthiness at being passed over. And that is often pretty much a perfect cocktail of emotions to take you straight to the mini mart along the street to stock up on sweets and cakes and cookies and then to start sneaking them from your pocket or your bag into your mouth as you walk home but that little voice doesn't always report with 100% accuracy. It might notice some basic facts and then it immediately begins to interpret them. It tries to make sense of what's going on by reading between the lines and making assumptions. It's like that for all of us and in a way it's great. We're humans, we think, we make meaning and we have different viewpoints and perspectives and that's what makes us individuals. But It gets interesting when you stop to notice where those thoughts and interpretations and opinions take you, what they actually mean for you personally, and then to ask whether the place they take you is where you actually want to go. In the example of being stood up by a friend, the bare facts are she isn't there and she isn't answering her phone. But what if it turns out that the basement in her house had flooded and she's frantically trying to get the water turned off and to minimise the damage? Or maybe she has a migraine. Or, and this very sadly happened to me recently, her little cat's been run over. That puts a completely different spin on the situation, doesn't it? She hasn't shown up and there's a really good reason for it. So, Maybe she didn't care about meeting you and stood you up or maybe something's happened so that she can't make it. Either scenario could be true or neither of them could be true and in the moment we have no idea what the reason might be. Yet when the little voice in your head assumes the worst assumes something that makes you feel bad an eating session or a binge becomes much more likely. So if thoughts, if that little voice in our head has such an impact on how we feel and what we do, is it even possible to change it? Should we be resigned to letting it run on autopilot so that we continue to be buffeted around by it, so that we continue to react instantly to anything it might have to say? Or is there a way to interrupt the chatter? you're probably not surprised to hear me say that there is a way to interrupt the chatter that can have a really significant impact on how you feel, which also means it will have a significant impact on whether or not you turn to food, if that's something you do when you feel bad. Before we get into exactly how to do that, here are a few things that challenging the voice in your head or interrupting that internal chatter does and doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're kidding yourself as if you've swapped the real world for fairy tale land or some kind of parallel universe where you're ignoring the truth. But it does mean that you get to actually listen to the voice for a moment to hear what it's saying and then choose how you want to respond to decide on what you'd like to think or do next. In that way, Challenging the voice hands you back the power and it helps you quieten down the internal chatter so that you get to decide what you want to believe. In other words, instead of being dictated to, it puts you back in charge. So how to go about it? Well, here are the four steps and I've noticed there always seem to be four steps. I'm not sure exactly how that happens, but still we'll go with it. The first step is simply to notice it. What's the little voice in your head saying? What's it reporting on? What are you thinking right now? Most people need to practice before this comes super easily. But if you can tune in straight away, that's great. Pick a couple of messages, a couple of sentences that are running through your mind so that you can then take a closer look. If it's not super obvious or if there's so much noise in there that it's tricky to know where to start, another way to do it is to get it all out of your head and onto paper kind of like a verbal vomit, but in writing. To do that, you can take a side of paper and just write anything and everything that comes into your mind for, say, five minutes without looking closely at it or without questioning it at all. If you can't think of anything to write, then write, I can't think of anything, and keep going. That might become something like I can't think of anything to write and this is ridiculous and there's no point at all because I'll never be able to be different. Or I can't think of anything to write, I just hate my boss because he shouted at me yet again and he obviously thinks I'm not up to the job. You never know what's going to come next and that's why this process is so valuable. When you've got your thoughts out on paper, pick one that you're grappling with a bit Is there something in there that you don't feel great about, but you just believe to be true? Is there something that when you think about it, you notice that energy leaves your body and you feel deflated and defeated? Or maybe it riles you up so that you feel angry, agitated or anxious? Because my guess is that those are the thoughts that are most likely to lead to eating in an attempt to feel better or to feel different, which is why they're the ones especially worth noticing. It might be something like, I'm never going to be able to do this, or my boss is an a hole. The second step is to understand where that thought or that voice is coming from. You can do that by asking yourself questions like, Why might that thought be coming up? How does it make sense that that's what I'm thinking? if I assume that little voice is just trying to do something right by me, trying to look out for me in some way, what might it be trying to do? So using the examples above, I'm never going to be able to do this, might be coming up because you've tried to stop binging before but it didn't last and the little voice is piping up to stop you raising your hopes only to be disappointed again. Or my boss is an a-hole, might be coming up because your boss directed an irritated or frustrated comment at you. You don't like being treated like that and all your hackles are up, you know those little hairs on the back of your neck, so you're ready to fight back and demand respect. Once you've identified why the voice is coming up and how it makes sense or what it's trying to do for you, take a moment just to see how you feel about that and then notice Is the voice or the thought taking you to a place you want to go? The third step is to strip down to the facts of the situation. If you notice the little voices taking you down a path you don't want to tread, press pause on all that chatter. Freeze frame the situation and the voices for a moment. When you do that, can you list exactly what's happening in as few words as possible? The bare bone fact of the situation. If it was an exhibit in court, everyone would agree that that's what happened. In other words, there's no room for interpretation or emotions. It's just a plain and boring factual report. Going back to the examples we've just discussed, the stripped back facts might be something like, I started an exercise to tune into the voice in my head 30 seconds ago. Pure fact. Or, my boss said... Oh, for goodness sake, isn't the report completed yet in a louder voice than usual. It's a pretty sparse description, right? But the reason it's so useful is that it takes out the assumptions or argument or justification and leaves only the plain, bald facts. Just doing that can de-escalate your emotional response and when that happens there's more space to spot potential alternatives and just notice how another interpretation might be possible. Now that doesn't mean you have to immediately flip your viewpoint or adopt another perspective but what if the situation isn't quite so cut and dried and there is a bit of wriggle room to how you think about it? Because if there is, you have the opportunity to choose to make it mean something that serves you, that takes you to a place you want to go. And how nice is that to be able to choose who and how you want to be rather than being at the mercy of the events rolling out around you? So, Once you've stripped the situation down to the bare facts and hopefully created a bit of wriggle room as to the different perspectives that may be in play, the fourth step is to choose what you want to do next. If you've got the facts really parred down, there's no arguing with them. After all, like we said, everyone who's witnessed the situation would report back on the same facts. But how would you like to think and feel about it? What would you like to do next? Going back to the examples, the first one was, I started an exercise to tune into the voice in my head 30 seconds ago. The automatic reaction was, I'm never going to be able to do this, which is very likely to lead to feelings of defeat and giving up. But what if your interpretation of those facts shifted to something like, this counts as a first step? it'd probably feel very different, maybe optimistic or excited or committed, and that would mean you'd be more likely to keep writing for a few minutes and open to experimenting with something new, making a small shift in a new direction. Exactly the same facts, two responses that make sense, but one that's more likely to take you to a place you want to go for example, to help you understand how the little voice in your head might be impacting what you eat so that you can begin to break that pattern. Or in the second example, the facts were, my boss said, oh for goodness sake, isn't the report completed yet, in a louder voice than usual. The automatic reaction was, my boss is an a-hole, which probably led to feelings of anger and also fear in that you perceived you were being attacked and undermined, so we're at risk. In my book, feeling like that was likely to end in the bottom of a bag of donuts on the way home from work. But what if a new interpretation could be communication skills aren't one of his strengths when he's coming up against a deadline? That way of making sense of what happened is likely to feel calmer and more grounded so that you're more likely to respond in a way that communicates your progress and most importantly, doesn't take on his comments as being about you, but rather being a reflection of him. And feeling that bit calmer means there's less need for those donuts in an attempt to soothe your frazzled nerves. And just to reiterate that earlier point, Challenging the little voice in your head and opening to a reinterpretation of events doesn't mean you're rolling over and accepting what isn't acceptable or living in fairytale land, but it does give you much more space to choose the next step you'd like to take. You might still like to challenge your boss's behaviour, but wouldn't that challenge look different if it came from a place of calm rather than agitation? You get to choose what actions to take and that gives you so much more power. So to summarise those four steps, they are Step one, notice the little voice. Step two, understand what it's saying and why it might be saying it. Step three, strip down the situation to the bare facts. And step four, choose what you'd like to think or do next. Choose what will serve you best. Those steps are so helpful in tuning into that little voice in your head without always having to believe or take on board what it's telling you. Over time, you'll get really familiar with what's running through your mind on the regular and where those thoughts take you as far as how you feel and what you do next, which is really important information as you begin to change your eating you'll discover how to respectfully question that little voice and create a little wriggle room in how much of what it says you decide to take on board, which gives you way more control over how you feel and the next step you take. It'll become clear which thoughts are most likely to lead you to overeating or binging and which thoughts are supportive in helping you pull back from the food you don't want to be eating. Which is great as it means that you can practice the thoughts that support you so that they become more of a go to and you're able to let go of the thoughts that bring you down more quickly. Striking up a conversation with the little voice in your head using those four steps is such a powerful way to interrupt patterns of thinking, which means it gives you the power to change even the most entrenched behaviours and to, bit by bit, open to choosing the next best thought or action in the moment that will help you stop eating in a way that brings you down. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Yo Yo Freedom Podcast for more insight, tools, and support as you pull back from binging and overeating and step into your most authentic, vibrant life. If you found this episode helpful, it would be wonderful if you'd take a moment to rate the Yo Yo Freedom Podcast on whichever platform you listen on. Thank you so much. Bye bye for now.